The reading tonight is from Mark 4, verses 33 through 41. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up. Teacher, they said to him, don't you care that we're perishing? And he woke up and rebuked the wind. Peace, be still, he said to the sea. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Why are you so afraid, he said to them. Do you still have no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. You know, the, one of the amazing things about folks like Chris and John and Drew and all of these, these real pastors, you know, is there some feedback here? Yeah. Thank you. And one of the, the amazing things about all of these actual pastors is that they make these sermons week after week after week. Um, I've been working on this sermon for uh, probably over a year now. Now, that, that doesn't mean that my sermon is going to be that much better than, than Chris's. Um, so that's, that's not going to happen. Um, but, you know, it's just even, even as I've been working on this for so long, even a half hour ago, I'm standing up here scribbling, uh, changing things, adding notes. And it's, it's weird because for most of this time where, I, where I've been preparing this, it's been kind of dark. Uh, it's been kind of dark for Natalie and I. It's been kind of dark for our church. Uh, we've been going through this storm. It seems like all of us have. And I don't know, today, just the praises of the people, and this week, it's, it feels, I don't know, it feels different than the past past year or so. So I, I don't know what Jesus is doing uh, with that. I wasn't expecting to be in this sort of mood uh, as I was preaching this, because it's definitely not the sort of mood I've been in for, for a long time. So I don't know what Jesus is doing here, but but we'll see. Uh, Let's pray, and then we'll get started. Uh, Jesus, uh, please reveal your word to us. Thank you so much for it. I pray that it would encourage us, that you would take this this knowledge about you and and really root it deep, deep into our hearts. Please reveal yourself to us this evening, Father. Amen. Uh, So when when I was a senior in high school, uh, my mom was diagnosed with very aggressive breast cancer. Um, And when she got the diagnosis, Everybody started praying. Our sleepy little church started praying really fervently. Third and fourth cousins who we had never met they were praying. Uh, people all over the world were telling their friends and their churches to pray for my mom. Uh, at one point, we reckoned that there were hundreds of people all over the world praying for my mom, praying for her to be healed, praying for a miracle, and praying for, for the storm that we were going through, that she was going through, to end. And it, it never did. And I remember her reading this passage and many other passages like this, and she was asking, well, what about me? Like, where, where's my miracle? She, she believed in these stories about Jesus some 2,000 years ago, uh, but when she looked at her own storm, well, it kind of felt like Jesus was sleeping in her boat. A lot of us have been in that place, especially here in this, in this community. You know, we've been in this spot where our metaphorical boat is in the middle of our metaphorical storm, and we cry out to Jesus, and nothing happens. So what, what do we do when it feels like Jesus is sleeping in our boat? 
Um, tonight, we're, we're not actually going to look at Jesus calming the storm, uh, because honestly, that's the least interesting thing that's happening in this passage. Um, so instead, we're going to look at the other three miracles that Jesus does in this text. So we're going to look at the miracle of the incarnation, the miracle of faith, and the miracle of grace to people who have nothing. Uh, we're going to see how these three miracles of the incarnation, faith, and grace, we're going to see how they're being applied to the disciples, and then we're going to see how they're applied to us each and every day, whether he calms our storm or not. And we're going to find that despite what we may think, Jesus is not sleeping in our boat. So let's start by looking at the first part of the Jesus' response in verse 40. It says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? What, what a weird thing for Jesus to say, right? Let me, let me tell you why the disciples are so afraid. They're afraid because they have years of experience that say that this is a bad situation. The wind, the waves, the sky, all of this, these are facts that are pointing to one thing and one thing only. They're going to drown. Soon their boat's going to sink, a wave is going to push them under the water, and they're going to asphyxiate as they slowly sink to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. Those are just the facts. But, but somehow Jesus looks at all of these facts, and he comes to a completely different conclusion. And he says, oh, there's no need to fear, why are you so afraid? So, so the question is, what are the disciples missing? The disciples think that the miracle started when Jesus calmed the storm, but no, they, they missed the first miracle. The first miracle actually happens in verse 36. They took him with him in the boat, just as he was. This isn't, this isn't just a logistical detail that we can kind of skip over before we get to the exciting stuff. No, this is the real miracle. This is the miracle of the incarnation. That changes everything. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, the one through whom everything was made, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, he's in this tiny, ancient, wooden boat in the middle of this dangerous sea. Verse 38 makes the whole situation even more surprising. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. The disciples get bummed out about this, but you know this is really a wonderful miracle in and of itself. The Alpha and the Omega, the Lord of the cosmos, he's put himself in this tiny human body that gets tired and worn out from traveling, gets tired from public speaking. In order to save us, the Infinite One is subjecting himself to this finite body that just needs a nap. So the disciples, they, they get upset at Jesus for this, right? But instead, they should be falling on their knees in wonder that such a man is in the boat to begin with. See, the disciples, they only see the danger that this little boat is in. They don't, they don't see who's in the boat. They're missing that part. The God-man in the boat changes everything, and the disciples don't even recognize it. Do we? So we're briefly going to talk about three practical ways that this miracle of God in our boat plays out. We'll look at how it plays out in our work, and how we pray, and how we suffer. First, the miracle of the incarnation in your work. Uh, for software engineers like myself, so Jack, Spencer, I don't know, is there anybody else? I guess that's it. Um, for us, that means that when we sit down to code, like Jesus is, he's paraprogramming with us, right? 
Um, if you're in retail, uh, when you're dealing with that obnoxious customer, like Jesus is right there with you behind the counter. Whatever it is that you do, maybe it's nursing, administration, art, homemaking, finance, like whatever, whatever it is that you do, Jesus is doing that with you. Maybe you're retired or you're not working. Well, Jesus is doing that along with you too. Or maybe you're doing ministry and you're getting burned out and tired. Well, Jesus is striving in ministry alongside you. And when your burdens overwhelm you and all you can do is just come home and crash on the couch, uh, well, this passage tells us, that, tells us that Jesus, he was great at naps. And so Jesus is even joining his exhausted servants in their exhausted rest. So no matter what it is that you do, Jesus is doing that with you. This means that your work is holy. No matter how secular you think it is, no matter how mundane you think it is, it's holy because Jesus is doing it with you. So are you bringing the full impact of Jesus' presence into your workplace? So this week, as you, as you go about doing whatever it is that you do, think about how Jesus is doing that with you. And think about how that changes everything about what you do in your workplace. Um, the second thing that the incarnation changes is our prayer lives. What did the disciples do when they were about to die in the boat? There was no elaborate ritual. Like they didn't try to clean themselves up or try to think holy thoughts before they, they came to Jesus. No, what do they do? They turn around and say, hey, Jesus, give me a hand. And so even though, even though we don't have access to Jesus in the flesh, we still, we still have that same level of intimacy and availability with him when we're suffering. And, and even while the storm is still raging, even when all of the facts seem to say that God is asleep or that he's absent, the miracle of the incarnation is telling us, well, actually, God is so near and he's so available when we pray. So, so call to him because he's right there. He's right there in the boat. Finally, uh, the incarnation also completely changes the trajectory of our sufferings. Romans 6 says, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So the logic goes like this. Uh, Jesus came in the flesh, and he suffered, and he died on the cross. We are also in the flesh, and we are suffering. So this means that we're united to Christ because our suffering mixes all up with, with Jesus' suffering. And, and because we're all mixed up with Jesus' suffering, well, that means we're all mixed up in his, in his resurrection life as well. If we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So no matter how dark of a road your suffering is taking you on, Jesus isn't only suffering with you, but he's guaranteed.